Welcome to Marvel Cinematic University, the podcast where we started by counting down, not counting down, but going through every Marvel movie up until Infinity War. Um, since then, we have not come up with a different intro. So every single time, we just vamp through it. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Jay Christie. I am joined by Jerome Chang. Jerome, how are you? Doing well, man. I miss you guys. Uh, I miss you. Yeah. You yeah, haven't been I, here the last two times. How are you? It's, it's been a minute. Um, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, shout out to the Raptors on their game one win because we don't really do that often. Um, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm calling in from Toronto for yeah, he's a yeah, yeah, guest. I'm a Canadian he's a, over here. He's a, he is a, he's a uh, somewhat team employee, so he can say we. Um, right, right, right. But I think if you get the championship ring, you can say we. Um, yeah. I think that yeah. that's fair. Uh, but happy and, to be here. Yeah. I'm glad to have you here. Anthony Canton III will be joining us hopefully soon. Um, he's watching over King Josiah at the moment, so uh, got to let him do that. But we're joined today by a very special guest, one of my favorite uh, podcasters and writers about sports, um, and he, even podcasters about the Bible. Um, you know him from formerly Banner Society. Now he is in the Moon Crew, I believe is the new thing, the new venture that just started today. Uh, Jason Kirk. How are you, Jason? Hey, what's up, y'all? Thanks for having me. Doing... Uh good enough here which i think is the uh the goal these days good Absolutely. enough that's that's all we're aiming that, for. that's winning these days for sure yes um and as you can tell by whatever i decided to title this um uh, basically i saw jason tweeting about marvel and as i and anthony are wanting to do when we see someone that we're a fan of tweet about marvel it's like let's see if we can get them to talk about marvel movies with us and we were going back and forth about what to talk about on a podcast in the dms and he made the point that he wanted to try to defend Thor the Dark World, um, which I think is often considered the worst or second worst <laughs> Marvel MCU movie. Um, in, in the lore of MC University, we call it the worst mostly because we don't acknowledge Incredible Hulk as a yeah. film at all. Okay, yeah. got it. Um, if you include the Incredible Hulk, then the Incredible Hulk is definitely worse. But yes. Thor the Dark World is often considered like the one of the, a bad one. Um, and I'm intrigued, I was intrigued by that because I think that... Um, it's not so bad that I think you can't make an argument for it. And I'm like, you know, come on and uh, come on the pod and discuss. Um, it's definitely become more of a running joke for us than anything else. I can't yes. remember why I ever thought I didn't like it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, Jason, I understand you and your daughter watched it, uh, just watched it like last Sunday um, or not last, but sometime. you watched it at some point recently. Um, what, what did you take away from it that makes you want to say that it's not a bad movie? <laughs> yeah well first i like the uh one reading of that hulk um that hulk assessment that it's it's not a movie that's that's mm -hmm. a pretty good <laughs> the hulk movie is just it's not even a movie um so we've been doing kind of this like casual quarantine rewatch like mm -hmm. before in game we did this big organized like we need spreadsheets we need mm -hmm. rankings we, you know mm -hmm. <laughs> like we did the big official oh, we understand this is why yeah. this podcast exists yeah, yeah. we yeah. did that for infinity war <laughs> <laughs> um and then and, you know lately we've just been like oh hey guardians 2 is how do you how do you how do you not uh, watch guardians 2 you know mm -hmm. civil war is on I, there's no good reason not to watch civil war um mm -hmm. so yeah we got to thor 2 um and for a long time now i've had this take that it's not a great movie but not no. a terrible movie I, mm -hmm. I, I i like pretty good is i think mm -hmm. what i'm going for here you know um and within the ncu if you have you know if you have five tiers you know if you have if you have top tier and you're putting Endgame, you know, Winter Soldier, Black mm -hmm. Panther, whatever in that tier. If you have your bottom tier for Hulk, Ultron, come on. Mm -hmm. I'll put Iron Man 2 down there. I said it. Um, that's not a hot take there. The Ultron yeah. thing is for this podcast, but Iron Man 2, that's not a hot take. Okay. I think that Iron Man 2, I'd say, was the third yeah, Iron Man worst 2, for me. In general, I think we've uh, kind of surmised that um, Phase 1 in general I, like, does not 
age as well. Yeah. Like up up until basically Avengers itself. Um Iron Man the original Iron Man's good, but uh I think just I yeah. I mean that's the beauty of MCU in my opinion. Um they figured it out. Yeah. As it's gotten yeah. better, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Iron Man one is good. It 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 fits really weirdly. The tone is really weird. You know, we're like actually it's, just talking it's very the, yeah. it's very like jock bro, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then everything shifts to Disney, you know. Right. Uh, so it's it's a weird fit in the rewatch. Cap one holds up well. Cap one. I think awesome. Cap one's aged well because I think that the Chris Evans's performance as the movies have gone on has made me believe. Like in the when you first watch, it, it's kind of hokey. Like this guy's so sincere, but I think that as you watch the character grow, it feels more real. So it actually kind of like it, I, it feels less silly and old fashioned. It's like, oh, this is actually like this. This is what they're going for, and I think that it's uh, it's solid in a way that I don't think it was the first time I saw it. And also, when it comes to all the individual trilogies, when you're talking Cap, Iron Man, and Thor, although uh, we we might get an argument in Thor's case, like in Cap's case, there's no dud in that series. Like maybe yeah, the, the least favorite Cap is, is the best. first Avenger, but even then, it's not a bad movie. Yeah, yeah, that's if you count Civil War as a Cap movie. Which <laughs> during our rewatch, we were kind of like, why did the? And there's like that whole like backstory or explanation for that, but it it is very strange. Yeah, it is. Um. So yeah, going back through Thor two, uh, I'm a big Thor fan. Like the mm-hmm. Jason Aaron comics, like Thor, that's that's my guy. Like I mean, mm-hmm. as a kid, it was X Men, but now it's it's Thor. Um, Ragnarok is one of my very favorite movies, comics, action, otherwise. It's, it's my daughter funny. as well. Um, that's the one. Like anytime we're watching these, that's the one we build toward. Mm-hmm. Like that's probably the one we watch the most. Um, and I think the pivot from Thor 2 to Ragnarok at the time, it made Thor 2 look, you know, like it, when it came out, it was divisive at best. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then the shift to Ragnarok, I think that sort of made people think like, wait, we could have just been doing this the whole time. Yeah. You know? right. So like it made the bleakness and the seriousness and like in Thor 1, you had the Shakespearean element, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like we're trying to be extremely serious and that's kind of funny, you know. And yeah, then Thor right. 2 is like the same tone without the Shakespeare. Like, I mean, I'll start it off with a weakness here. I don't like Odin, Odin's dialogue in Thor 2. Oh, he doesn't no, talk okay. like Odin. Right, right. Like, like Odin's, Odin's just saying like normal guy stuff and it does not land. Um, that's one of my few actual like big complaints about Thor 2. The middle is slow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Thor himself for like a good half hour in the middle of the movie just is not doing a whole lot. <laughs> no. Right. No. And that's, you know, sure. <laughs> um, but I, I took some notes here on stuff that looking back, it was like, Hey, you know, this, this isn't so bad. Um, first, I mean, Hey, in game doesn't work without it. Right. That's true. Yeah. We cannot defeat Thanos without yeah. Thor too. <laughs> Rare. I love how much work they put in to rehabilitate the, um, what a lot of people think is the weakest link. Um, which probably because they didn't have the rights to go rehabilitate the Hulk movie, I guess, I would assume. Yeah. Um, <laughs> probably, it's actually, I yeah, know. I think I love about that fun fact, just as a sidebar, is that the, as I understand it, the reason they, they technically have the rights to the character, but because, um, and as a Florida boy, I'm very happy to talk about this, because Universal Studios has the Hulk ride, I think mm-hmm. that the thing is that they would get a portion of up the profits of any standalone Hulk movie. So that's why they don't make one. Because Universal Studios, because of the ride in that deal, somehow still gets money from it. So oh, yeah. The, the parks yeah. are like, yeah, the parks are the end goal of all of this. So I, 
and the thing is, I personally love the Hulk ride. In my opinion, it's the best ride at Universal. So I, I can like, I wish there was a standalone Hulk movie, but also I like the Hulk ride a lot. So yeah, <laughs> like you go to Disney these days. We went like right before the world stopped, and you realize like that's why they made those new movies so yeah. they could have new Star Wars stuff. Oh my gosh. I've yet you know, to go like, to Star Wars you land. You can't um, bring out Mark yeah. Hamill to do like, yeah, we, we did the Star Wars land. It was cool. Like, but like, you can't go, you know, get Mark Hamill to dress up as mm-hmm. nine-year-old Luke. He looks like a nine-year-old in the first movie. Um, so like <laughs> do does. all this new stuff, but you can get Daisy Ridley to do it, you know? Yeah. So like mm-hmm. they made those movies so they could add them to the parks. Yeah. Um, and they made a lot of money on the way, along yeah. the way. But so Endgame, mm-hmm. you know, goes back and it, and it refreshes all the Thor 2 stuff. Um, and I think that's one of the best like, scenes in Endgame, by the way. I think the scene with yeah, Chris Hemsworth awesome. and Chris Hemsworth is actually uh, really, really good. And a thing that I noticed about this movie is you watch it and you're like, they completely dropped the ball on Frigga as a character for the two movies. They just did not give yeah. her enough to do. And yeah. she's so much more interesting of a character. Her relationship with Thor is so much more interesting than the one he has with Odin. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mama's boy who like is, just has to like, do the whole earning my dad's respect thing yeah we know where your heart is here yeah um so like i was looking at this from the perspective of all right so iron man one makes Mm -hmm. in-game better because you know cheeseburger line because Mm -hmm. i am Mm -hmm. iron man Mm -hmm. you know so like we have it in our head that is acceptable for the first 22 movies to enhance the 23rd one so mm-hmm. why can the 23rd one not enhance the 12th one or whatever Thor 2 mm-hmm. was, right? Mm-hmm. When you go right. watch Thor 2 after you watch Ragnarok, all right, now Loki's death is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, you know, you, you watch Thor 2 after Endgame. Now Malekith's first appearance is hilarious because Thor thinks Malekith is funny, right? Like the later movies when they kind of poke fun at Thor 2, like mm-hmm. they make Thor 2 more entertaining, you know, the, the, the humility, the self-deprecation, like, cool, it works, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like, it's sort of an artificial movie. So it's kind of artificial to take stuff from later movies and give Thor 2 credit for it, you know, mm-hmm. but the end result is that it's all entertaining. So I don't really care, you know, like mm-hmm. if it was supposed to be or not. Um, you got lots of Loki. Everyone loves Loki. It's, it's, you know, a move. It's, it's the most Loki movie. Um, it's the one that introduces the question that is at the core of Ragnarok is can Thor trust his brother or not? Because, mm-hmm. you know, in Loki's first two movies, it's obviously no, right. Mm-hmm. This is the one that introduces sometimes you have to, uh, which, you know, this is the one that really sets in motion their final moments together, um, in infinity war. Uh, you got you got um the 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 Norwegian doctor guy Stellan Stellan Selvig, his last yeah. name Selvig. Selvig. yeah yeah he's funny he's not wearing pants oh, right really we like, we like great great things. no pants were <laughs> it was it was solid solid um nude work for sure <laughs> uh Kat Denning is funny she doesn't get to do a whole lot but she's no. I think she's funny um we laughed several times uh particularly my daughter's favorite line is when, when she she's given Mjolnir it's its own name. Uh, Mew Mew? Mew, I, I, yeah, I yeah. am I am a fan of Kat Dennings across the first two, I'll be honest. So yeah, she's very funny. Give, yeah. Uh there's very cool space stuff. Asgard looks great. Um it, it, like the the funeral song, the Viking boat, like the the song from Frigga's funeral. Um it's gotta be one of the best pieces of music in the whole MCU. That's um, true. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking that as I watched it last night. So yeah, I mean I think and I think they're like 
the middle drags the last half hour or so there's like there's a there's a few minutes where you get several laughs in a row like chris hemsworth's ad lib of hanging mjolnir on the coat hook mm -hmm. um that just sort of signals like okay business is picking back up again mm -hmm. and I from that point on the, it's a fun ending heading like when they're oh, traveling dude. back and forth in the final action sequence like that's a pretty good sequence i'll give him that yeah 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 so like to me is it you know is it is it as good as ragnarok no nowhere near is it as good mm -hmm. as thor one yeah in a lot of ways you know um is it one of the worst five? that's a fair point i don't really think so see i think that i I don't know if that's why I want to go into what the worst five are because I don't because then that inevitably would just get us in discussions of other movies. Because <laughs> um, like you said that you put Ultron in the bottom tier and like I don't love Ultron, but I, I think I feel similar about Ultron the way you do about this. Where it's like I think Ultron's a very watchable movie, but I also don't really feel like litigating that because it's mostly just like I think it's fun. But um, <laughs> I think the thing that stuck out to me is what doesn't work about Thor: The Dark World because I really when I was watching it last night, I'm like okay, I want to see if I can watch this in a way that'll make me have a better opinion on it. And I think it definitely is like a decent movie. Like it's not like a bad movie, which I think is just a testament to the MCU in general that like they really don't have any full on stinkers. And um, as the person of the three co-hosts of this podcast is the one who has watched the most bad movies. Um, mm -hmm. I know what one looks like and it's the MCU really never made one, but I think that's the, for sure. Yeah. The, the dark elves and the dark world itself, I think are the two things that are really tough for me um i think the the fact the the choice to make them speak uh subtitled language even when asgardians speak english is really really hard for me to get past because it just really <laughs> makes you not care at all about the villains in their scheme and it, it, it just it, it really it really just makes it like it, it, those scenes just feel like complete emptiness like they, they could be excised from the movie and if you just get told hey they want to make everything dark it'd be like okay fine but <laughs> um and then i think the dark world itself just looks in terms of um sets is just vi so visually boring to me i don't know that's a bad word but like um i think that i like the action when it's happening in london i think when it's on the dark world it really is just like um it feels uh, it's it's one of the few scenes in the whole MCU where it looks like it's on a green screen, and that's a compliment because so much of the MCU is on a green screen. But that like really feels like this is not real at all. I think um, to well, so that, actually we would have benefited to having AC on here just because like out of the three of us, AC is the most uh, comic specific in terms of having connections with them, and whereas for Jake and I, we're more just like really connected to the movies itself. So I think. Um, one thing that you brought up that was I what I was kind of expecting in terms of a defense for the dark uh, for dark world is just I think a lot of people who will come to defend it or like it um, really do just love Asgard. And for whatever reason, when it comes to MCU specifically, that was always the least interesting part of the Thor character for me. Um, and I always felt I enjoyed him more when he came to earth or especially in ragnarok where he just goes to space altogether mm -hmm. uh i think like all the shakespearean stuff or whatever way they took it uh in dark world I, I just for whatever reason it only started picking up again later on once we got back to earth and like started having more of the gags that way um but like a really good point that i didn't think about until now is just you know it's almost negligible if you really do think about it between thor and thor dark world that both are 
neither are really bad. Um, they're pretty good, and but they're also kind of like in the same kind of space and range, especially once we start talking about tiers and things like that. Like it's it's almost it works against them that a Ragnarok exists because sure. yeah yeah. Um, yeah, but, and I, I, I think like the, I think the two things there, like the MCU, is so consistent um, mm-hmm. that even being the worst movie in this group is not really an insult. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if, no, if I say if I say if I say Ultron has like ten minutes, I like, you know, mm-hmm. it's still better than almost any DC movie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. the thing. And yeah. like yeah, in, in comic, like if comic book films were a league, every one of these would make the playoffs. Yeah. Some might be the top seed, some might be the bottom seed, but they're all getting in. Um, but like we have no lottery teams is what I'm trying to say sure. uh, usually when it comes to MCU films. Yeah. This is the Western conference. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I mean, speaking of DC, that might be one of the, like, you know, the dark world is not all that entertaining to look at. Like it looks like a DC movie. Everything is yeah. ex- extremely mm-hmm. bleak and not like, like there are ways to do, to depict dark and bleak and depressing and scary and all that and still be visually interesting. Like the Guardians movies do this all the time. Mm-hmm. Infinity right. War and Endgame did that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like that is a weakness. Um, the, and I think you uh, also forgive it too again because we were saying early on, you know, if they try to tackle a dark world later on when they kind of just understand better how to make an MCU film, it's going to be much better. I think it's, it's almost when you start looking at them as a whole, you you kind of want to grade it on a curve just because those are the days where, you know, a lot of things, like first, they that was one of the films that had a director change partway through. It was one that was also, yeah, Thor right wasn't the strongest end. character. And, um, and they started leaning on things like, you know, let's get the Game of Thrones um, director in and like really lean into that because people love Game of Thrones right now. So yeah. Uh, That's what I was going to bring up next is the director yeah, change. I, I, I think if this movie is directed by Patty Jenkins, I think it's a lot more interesting. Because I think that sure. a thing that this movie lacks, that so much of the Phase 3 things have, Ragnarok in particular, and Ragnarok, I think Guardians is one that really jump-started it, was... It doesn't um, have a personal voice. Exactly. Yeah. This, this sure, yeah. uh, movie has no point of view. In a way, that I think sticks out because this is about when MCU movies started to have more voice behind them. Um, and, I, and like after, I mean... I think Wonder Woman is, uh, I think it's aged. Actually, the more I watch it, the less I like it, but I think it's still a really good superhero movie. And watching that, it's like, I wish, I, I would have loved to have seen Patty Jenkins' version of Thor The Dark World, um, particularly because the, Wonder Woman is a movie that's very dark and desaturated at times, and it's still very visually interesting. And so that's what I was thinking when I was watching the scenes on the dark, on the dark world. I'm like, the World War One scenes in Wonder Woman are, look so much better than this. Um, and I just want, wish, wish that we could have gotten that instead. Mm-hmm. yeah she she had a like a cool clear idea for it the the romeo and juliet storyline mm-hmm. um which you get a little bit of in this you get like jane as the fish out of water like the the mm-hmm. reverse of thor on earth from thor one um so i feel Jason, like you speak about uh like how later movies kind of almost redeem um dark world like wait until this next thor like comes oh, out with God. With Natalie Portman as the new Thor, like it's yeah. probably going to make us relook at um like this original one, like going back. So yeah, I mean that 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 is a funny thing too because like I remember one of the big complaints about this was you know Natalie Portman looks like she's not having any fun at all and like oh she's miserable here and she hates it and, like mm-hmm. which you know that was all sort of like analysis from looking at the screen like right. I, I gather she was disappointed from the director change and all that yeah. which totally understandable. 
Um, but like watching it, I did not like watching it recently. I didn't get the impression that like, wow, she hates this. She's too mm. cool for this or anything like it's totally fine. Um, and I think it's awesome that, you know, she's back and that we get the, uh, you know, the, the, the comic book, uh, Jane and Thor storyline, like that's going to rule. Um, for me, I think the single biggest hack to appreciating Thor 2 is in your head, changing the title from Thor the Dark World, because the Dark World is not cool to look at, in your head, <laughs> pretend the movie is titled Thor and Loki. Okay. Much better movie. Much better movie already, right? And I mean, I think that I, I know I'm very, I've been a vocal proponent of, I'm not a big Loki guy. Um, which is, which is, I think, is a thing that, like, it, it's, it's a me take, so I don't expect other people to agree with that. So I think that even <laughs> I, I then, think I still love it, but... Um. Well, like, I think over time, like, when it comes to Loki, too, because, uh, like, Tom Hiddleston and the character became so popular for a while, like, that's one thing that might actually work against trying to look back at Thor The Dark World, because once we kind of get to the end of Loki's run, uh, while I think he is still beloved um, in general, there are those who I think had an exhaustion when hit with him, especially with the idea, like, this was his first kind of resurrection or, like, fake death uh, showing back up, but then you know, it just kept on happening until finally, like, it was finalized in Infinity War until it's kind of undone again. In and Endgame, then it was, yeah. You know, so... <laughs> it was temporarily uh, which, which finalized. Is to, right, right. Which is, like, true to the Loki character, like, if you just think of how Loki works anyway. But um, I think, if anything, that's kind of one of those things that might be better in practice in comics than it might be in film. I guess I just look at it like, all right, this is your most consistent villain over the course of this whole suite of movies, right? Like, For sure, know, without question. You know, he, he was the main villain in, what, two movies? He was, he's in this one as a key part, as like a hero and villain. Um, and like, he wins as both a hero and as a villain. Like, you know, he helps Thor win and then he wins <laughs> for himself at the end of The Dark World. Um, so like, there are not a lot of comic movies where the bad guy wins, you know? So that's mm. cool. Um, right. There's Infinity War, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, and like, I, I just, I think, so one complaint about this movie is like, all right, Thor, what is his arc? You could sort of take this movie out and it wouldn't change Thor's arc a whole lot. But if you think of this as a Loki movie, now we have an arc because mm. now we have bad guy, you know, wants to be, wants to be a brother wants to be a son of these his adoptive parents wants you know he's torn between these two worlds and and if, if you think of this as a loki movie to me it makes it much better like he carries this movie in a lot of ways i mean uh, when you think about everybody both likes of them the scene and their relationship playing. with odin like both of their relationships are actually far more interesting with frigga like you, you mentioned loki especially as an arc like his like his connection with frigga is really what like keeps him in any way um good i guess is what you could say or uh any way redeemable and then obviously what happens in the film changes that so like your take at least on like making it more of a loki arc does like would work for this yeah there's probably a loki cut that everyone would say ah oh, this wasn't so bad <laughs> release the loki cut release the loki out. cut yeah and i mean i feel like there's a reason when in endgame when they go back to this movie the very first scene that you see is loki in the cell you know because mm -hmm. he's right. the thing you remember from this movie as oh that wasn't so bad um, like um, if you if you jump straight from Endgame to like Malika, then like oh no, Endgame is bad yeah. now. <laughs> right. uh, you just ruined Endgame. Yeah, I just want to note that Jerome's zoom background is uh, a shot of Loki disheveled in his prison cell. So yes, it that, definitely that, is that, what Jerome took from it. 
that means you are you are in there in there with our guy loki mm-hmm. yes yes i'm in there at the moment um, now yeah oh I was just oh like, no no just, of yeah, uh, thor of uh, thor and loki one of the first things that jason you and i briefly discussed in when i was asking you to come on is that because i was talking about you know uh what you could do because you do the vacation bible school podcast um and you mentioned that you could talk about how loki and thor are like jacob and esau um, <laughs> yeah. and I, if you just because we're talking about their relationship um if you could just briefly break that down i think it's fascinating and um i, I you know if we're gonna have you here we might as well uh use your expertise sure so yeah um we did an episode it was our third episode on abraham isaac and jacob um the jacob and esau story uh fascinating for anyone who doesn't know it it's two brothers who were born at just about the same time e Esau, big, strong, red-haired, manly hunter. That's your Thor. Uh, He's got the birthright. He's the favored son. He's the heir apparent, right? Like, it, 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 things are lining up. This is the chosen line directly from God. Um, You know, this is, this is the guy bearing the birthright of heaven. This is Thor. The second brother, not so big, not so tough. Mama's boy sits around, um, and his mother's inventing schemes for him, you know, um, and he learns to become this trickster character. There's your Loki. Uh, and, and Loki and the Bible's Frigga, together, they combine to put one over on um, blind Jacob Esau dad. Remember Odin, of course, loses an eye. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to put one over on him to steal the birthright um, for Jacob, Loki, away from Thor Esau. Thor Esau is very mad about it, but he's a nice guy. So he- you know, they go their separate ways. They have their own adventures. Jacob goes and tricks people and gets tricked. Esau goes out into the hills and marries a bunch of hill women, you know, very Thor stuff. <laughs> they come back together and there's this weird moment where like maybe they're fighting in the middle of the night or maybe it's Jacob Loki versus God himself. It doesn't really specify. It could be either. It's mm-hmm. one of those Bible things where you can say whatever you want. Um, and then they come together and Jacob, Jacob Loki is like, oh, Esau's going to kill me. Esau's going to kill me. But Esau again does the Thor thing. And he's just like, give me a big hug. Let's hug. Everything's great. <laughs> right. Just big gregarious Thor who wants everyone to be friends. But he doesn't um, electrocute him like he does in Ragnarok. It's he does not a, cast okay. down. Okay. Well, I think maybe the thing here is that Jacob only tricks uh, Esau once, whereas Loki tricks Thor constantly. So <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so like if they add in a bunch of like side quests and adventures, a bunch of downloadable content to the Bible, there's probably a whole bunch of like side adventures where Esau is just fed up at some point. Like where he but, turns into a snake because yeah. Esau loves snakes and then he <laughs> turns into human, tries to stab him, like something like that. Yeah, maybe yeah. A yeah there's a lot yeah. of... Yeah, there's a lot of snake content. Um, <laughs> now, yeah. I, the, the thing that when I, because when you first said that, I, my immediate thought was, because I think I had just listened to the uh, VBS episode about uh, Jacob and Esau, is that I think it's funny that Loki's powers that he like can shapeshift. And I do appreciate the fact that that makes sense because Jacob, if I remember correctly, tricks his father by, what is it? What kind of animal's pelt does he use to make him think that he's hairy like uh, Esau? <laughs> Yeah, he's coating himself in wool and he's like making himself smell like an animal. So he's, he's basically shape-shifting. Like meat stew. Yeah, he's <laughs> shape-shifting and he's like scent-shifting. Um, yeah, and, and later on he has this whole caper where he steals, they have this trickster uncle character. Um, and um, Norse mythology is failing me, but I'm certain there's a trickster uncle character. <laughs> he's Probably, in, he, gets yeah. in this, he gets in this 14-year prank war with this uncle that um, Jacob wins by like stealing half the guy's 
sheep due to this like very, very long, complicated chapter long animal husbandry scheme, um, <laughs> which is the most Bible thing possible. There's, there's so much animal husbandry. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's when you, when you first made the connection, I think it's the red hair for Esau that really makes you think like, whoa, this is, this is, this is really close. Cause like, you know, blind. <laughs> yeah. Blonde, yeah. red hair. Like Thor is always depicted with that general shade, you know, big manly, hairy hunter guy. Um, there's a lot of stuff in Norse mythology really that makes, you know, cause like a lot of it got Christianized as Christians, you know, stampeded all across Europe that there's a lot of very old mythology that, we don't exactly know how much of it was Christianized, you know, like mm. Odin basically being cru- crucified on the world tree. Like, is that what the Norse wrote down 3,000, 2,000 years ago? Or is that the Christian version, you know, that we have from what we recovered in Iceland a thousand years ago? Um, but regardless, like, I, I think it's very cool that we have these two stories from, as far as we know, very different cultures, you know, that, that link up in interesting ways. Yeah, I think that that I'm so that lived up to my expectations. I appreciate that. Um, I think yeah, I think it's definitely fascinating, especially because it's it works not just with the Norse mythology, but also just with the film um, interpretations. That like it's still it. I think that um, I don't know. If, obviously, I don't think it was like intentional or anything like that. But I think that like the Jacob and Esau brother archetypes are so even outside of religion are so firm that like I think it really just uh, it works. I think that that is. You know, that's the type of analysis you don't get normally on a Marvel Cinematic University. Um, because, <laughs> and uh, it, yeah. Well, it wouldn't surprise me if the Jacob and Esau story influenced like the comics version of Correct. Thor and Loki yeah. because their For relationship sure. yeah, is yeah. different than from Norse mythology, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like they do a lot of more connected brotherly type stuff in the comics at least as far as I can recall. And it could be that that is where like, it could be that we're sort of getting, getting Norse mythology filtered through the Bible in the comics that then turns into the movies, you know? Yeah. Um, the other one I wanted to bring up that I forget if I mentioned this in our creation episode or not is God creates Adam. Adam develops his own brain and is doing his own thing and is sprawling all over the world. And God is freaking out. What do I do about this? That's Iron Man and Ultron, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought Adam was Captain America for a second. And this was like his winter soldier. Moment. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe that too. Maybe that too. Yeah, well, so so that one you could do, uh, you could do Winter Soldier when they, uh, when Eve takes the apple, right? That's that's finding the forbidden information in the bunker that the mm-hmm. computer ghost doesn't want you to have, right? See, this, I mean, I think you really could go anywhere you want with this, and I think that I think what I mean, what that says more than anything is just that uh, something that I, I think you guys touch a lot on the Vacation Bible School podcast is how um, fundamental biblical stories are to stories in general that like it's not that every story it's not like the bible's like every story it's like every story is like the bible (laughs) yeah Um, oh without question yeah Yeah, like Um, i mean you find those archetypes all over the place especially when it comes to comics and then like in in comics too like at a point they will just pull straight characters like i believe the devil does exist yeah there's there's mephisto there's right yeah there's yeah there's so many angels like I think Jesus has appeared in a few Marvel DC comics. Like, and then there's a lot of stuff where it's like, yeah, we get the reference here. You know? I, I, yeah, I need Const- the devil. There's Constantine. There's, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Const- That's right. I'm talking about one of my f- favorite non-MCU superhero movies. Oh, love that movie. But, <laughs> Big uh, fan cuts. Oh, my God. I, I would love nothing more than because it's like, oh, how are you going to top Thanos in phase four and five? How are you going to do it? Bring the devil in. 
who's a bigger villain than <laughs> the devil? Yeah, we watched uh, we watched Constantine like a month or two ago, actually, oh, for the first movie. time since it came out, and like, how is it aged? You know, I, I feel it, like it would age pretty one, well. On still. one level, it's like, what the? How the fuck did this movie happen? You know, you're looking at yeah. this like, what am I looking at here? Right, 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 right. <laughs> and then on the other level is like, um, you know, that this this is this is insane. This is ridiculous. This is absurd, and therefore this is good. Um, but the other thought I kept having is like, what if you did a Protestant version of this? What in the world would you even have to work with? Because you're working with like 1600 years worth of Catholic lore, you know, for mm-hmm. yeah. Protestants. It's like, I don't know. Uh, he's got to fight DC talk. He's, you know, I don't know. I don't know what there is to work with here. Yeah, I would help you out. He's got to fight, was, gotta fight was, Joel Osteen. I was raised Catholic. Um, <laughs> uh, I used air quotes for you guys, meaning that I had, you know, did the sacraments, but uh, I don't remember the Bible. But um, yeah, <laughs> that... Uh, but I mean, the thing about Constantine, there's a couple of things I love. One, the fact that they cast Tilda Swinton as uh, the Archangel Gabriel. Uh, well, also, is, like, I think, isn't it great that, like, between that and the ancient one, what would be Tilda Swinton's weirdest comic book character yeah. portrayal? <laughs> I don't even know what this was. Somebody uh, did a tweet a, a while back about um, this was the first movie in which they didn't have to digitally erase Tilda Swinton's wings. <laughs> <laughs> like this is her true form yeah, that you see in Constantine. That's fair. Yeah. That's and then one. my favorite choice in that whole movie though is I think that Peter Stormare as the devil, where like the devil always, you know, red horns, wearing mm. all black, yada yada. No, he's like, I'm gonna wear a full white suit, have like red rings around my eyes, and have my feet dripping with tar. I'm like, that is just one of the most inspired. I don't know. I, I need that we need to bring that to the MCU. I think that people probably protest if they made the devil a villain at this point, but I need <laughs> Peter Stormare with tar dripping off his feet. Would you just bring someone? Peter Stormare back, like as the devil in Marvel? You just I mean, would... do you have better casting? Who are, who are these devil defenders? Like, <laughs> well, no, I think it would be like people would say, like, you know, uh, they're making a mockery of the devil. But I mean, actually, I, I'm trying to think of who would necessarily do that because I, you know, I don't know if Catholics don't necessarily love to protest things like that. And I also think that, you know, Protestants would just be happy that the devil is getting defeated. So I'm, pr- oh, I'm yeah, probably yeah. wrong. Well, I think Protestants would say like, all right, the devil's depicted. That's Mm -hmm. great. He's real. You know, (laughs) I think that my favorite uh, depiction of Satan is from uh, the comic book Judas by Jeff Loveness. It's Mm -hmm. about like Judas betrays Christ, goes to a version of hell that is very biblical, not like, Mm -hmm. you know, not lake of boiling fire, more like ghost purgatory. Mm -hmm. Um, And the whole time he's wondering, like, did Jesus know? Did Jesus know? Right. And, and Satan isn't this like horned devil. He's just like this very skinny guy who's just walks around talking like a person. Um, but it's very cool. And, and I, I, it lines up a little bit with Constantine, you know, where it's like you take this thing, you strip away these all these pop culture stuff we've added onto it and you, you make a new version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, Gavin Rossdale I, you know, plays a demon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Man, my, 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 I was just that just reminded me of my, one of my favorite depictions of the devil, just because it's so absurd. Is that there's a uh, Doctor Who episode in, um, I think it's season two of the new one with David Tennant, where they the devil apparently lives in like the bottom of an asteroid that is orbiting a black hole somehow, but they don't they can't explain why, and it's been trapped there for like since the beginning of the universe. Um, and that, like, somehow, like, I just love the idea that, like, where is the devil? Like, if you ask, like, a kid, kid who, like, just learned about space, 
where does the devil live? They'd be like, oh, on an asteroid around a black hole. Sure, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, Lucifer, the fallen star. That would be like an eternally falling star. <laughs> That's a star that never <laughs> stops falling there. Damn, I didn't even think about that. Um, wow, I, I think we just I think we need to go to Kevin Feige and pitch some, even if it's not Constantine, just the devil. Um, just the, what's two words like we got to pitch <laughs> yeah. for you, hand out a dossier, just the devil, right? Right, yeah, just give us Doctor Strange versus Satan. I'm in, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be pretty cool, yeah, man. That uh, would be wonderful. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't ask because we talked about the Bible stuff, I would be remiss if I didn't ask one college football adjacent question. And I think that I was trying to think of a one less obvious than this one. Um, and Jerome, by the way, if you need to go to the bathroom or anything like that, um, you can, you know, use your Canadian oh, facilities. I'll, I'll, listen, um, I'll listen in on this. Uh, that, this, is a, this is a thing that's played in a thing called a college, right? I correct. know we have yeah, universities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, university. It's, <laughs> yes, I mean, we, no, no, no. We call it college football despite the fact yeah, that like 95% of uh, the schools that participate call themselves universities and not colleges. Um, yeah, we, we, we have these things called, uh, they're, they're like universities, but they don't actually do school. They're just for, to, to have football teams that generate uh, money for the so that they can pay for <laughs> football teams. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, and, uh, and, you know, Jason and I, obviously uh, alums of football powerhouse schools, I of New York University that stopped having football in 1952. And uh, how are uh, what, your Kennesaw State Owls, am I right? Um, that's right. Okay, great. Uh, so, but anyway, this is an obvious question, but I think it's the one that needs to be asked. College football coaches, which ones would, which one would be the most fit to be a superhero in the MCU and which one would be most fit to be a villain in the MCU? I mean, this feels Wait, obvious. Wait, could I uh, first... actually amend it? Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Could you put a college coach then in as Nick Fury? So you have, so you have a hero, a hero's boss, and a villain? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the first one that comes to mind is probably the most obvious one, but, you know, that's not a problem. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the big payoff of all the movies was, you know, Iron Man and his friends versus Thanos. Mm-hmm. That's the big obvious one. Let's do it. Yeah. Ed O'Gron, that's mm-hmm. our hero, right? I was thinking that, Huge yeah. personality, big guy, accent, crazy voice, believable in a fight. Uh, he could play himself. That's fine. No one else could play him. And um, And the thing, too, is that backstory just the bio like how do you get a superpower powers the bio i mean done yeah man birthed by a swamp uh (laughs) constantly getting in bar fights redeems himself we love these heroic qualities right Mm -hmm. uh had to had to go out west to find himself you know like like there's all sorts of there's a full joseph campbell hero's journey here with ed Mm -hmm. ogeron um your villain it's built in it's nick Mm -hmm. saban yeah, like these these guys face each other every year. Nick Saban, he's a little, um, he's not a big guy, kind of a, uh, uh, um, who am I? Th- kind of a Lex Luthor thing, you know, where it's just yeah. normal guy competing against superpowers, but it, he's he's so so devious, think, so hardworking. I think what works with him is I think that he has an ethos, which is me just me projecting because I can't stand Nick Saban, but it's me projecting. But like I think I think a lot of villains, especially in modern superhero movies, have is rather than just being like pure evil, their whole thing is that like they have some dream of some like perfect world, but they need use like you need to sacrifice happiness and individuality in order to achieve it. And I feel like that's <laughs> sure. Nick Saban's whole thing where it's like, we're going to be, I'm going to be miserable. My players are going to be miserable, but we're going to win. And I think that like so many superhero movies, it's like, no, you shouldn't have to sacrifice who you are in order to make a perfect world. Like, and I think that that's really perfect for him because he really, you could see him making like the point like, you know, you think that I'm a bad guy, tell that to my national championship rings, you know, all that. And I think that that definitely would work. 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You could see him delivering like a great Thanos speech that where it ends with like, is this what we want football to be? You know, and, yeah. and all the characters are like, wow, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's right. You know? <laughs> um, and yeah, he could do the thing where like, he, he's, he's taking you around the locker room. Look at what we do for these athletes. We have a $50 million weight room. <laughs> Look at all these rings on their fingers. Right. And you're starting to think like, wow. All right. Built by Bama. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe he's right. You know? And then Coach O comes in and just knocks it all over like Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And then the Nick Fury. Um, so if you're assembling a hero team of coaches, that might be difficult. Because like right now, I'm not looking at a whole lot of coaches as all that heroic, you know? Yeah, that's a <laughs> so problem. It's, so like maybe Coach O is our entire Avengers crew, which, okay, yeah. fine. It's like, it's like if the Hulk was the entire Avengers crew. Sometimes that's enough, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, who's our Hulk wrangler? Um, now, if you if you could go back in time, like if you could reach back into the past, if, if we you could just forget twenty twenty happened, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe you go then to like a David Cutcliffe, like the mm-hmm. coach at Duke, you know, yeah. like totally respected all over, mm-hmm. um, just like just an old dude who loves coaching, smart, mm-hmm. wily. You know, I was thinking always, actually, always done more than he more than he should. You know, as I, I was thinking results. This is partially just a look thing, but I think just in terms of someone who would I would take orders from at any moment other than Edward Ron is Lovey Smith. Um, I would just love to see Lovey Smith in an eye patch um, with, with the beard. Um, I just need that on a, I think that that would be, that just make me happy. I don't know if he'd actually make a good Nick Fury, but yeah, that might be key. Like uh, who would that, I mean, really that might be the, the biggest single Nick Fury-ness trait. Like how dope do you look in an eye patch and Lovey's going to be really hard to top there. And, and I was just trying to think of a guy that like, not that, you know, I, you couldn't find something unsavory about any college football program, but, like, it's really hard to think of uh, any college football coach where you're not like, oh, I don't necessarily want to endorse them as the good guy. <laughs> sure. But, it, I mean, it, it's Illinois. How, like, how much trouble could exactly. it possibly be in? And don't quote me on that because surely some Illinois scandal will come exactly. out eight, eight minutes after this episode exactly. publishes. But and, there's and a of, chance it wasn't Lovey's fault, all right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, um, the Iron Man 3 equivalent where they find Ben Kingsley in Miami. That is, of course, Hugh Freeze in the hospital bed. Um, so, <laughs> so, yes. yes. Yeah. Um, uh, but by the way, this is a, a pro Iron Man 3 uh, household, right? It, uh, no, very much not. Uh, not last we, no, 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 no. Uh, Anthony, uh, the other co-host. This is how I wish Eddie I'm was I'm so here. mad that he's not here right now. Okay. <sighs> hates Iron Man 3 with the passion of a thousand sons. To the wow. point where it's the only like in terms of running jokes we have on this podcast, it's the number one one. Although um, in fairness, um, you got the other right person to be on here because although this is a Marvel podcast, you basically activated my bat signal by mentioning that. <laughs> okay, good. Good. <laughs> Let's talk Iron Man 3. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Uh, I mean, the first question, which would probably be uh, something, th- this would be AC's kind of deal breaker question, but how did you feel about the Mandarin choice? Loved it. That's awesome. That's hilarious. Yes. Yeah. That, oh, my daughter man. and I, it is probably, it's, it's, it's top five. Um, at times it's top three. Um, like I love the subversiveness of it. Um, it. There's no other like superhero movie quite like it. Christmas is hilarious. That is a hilarious setting. Yeah. Um, classic Shane like, Black move. Yes, yeah, very much. Um, a Tony Stark movie more than an Iron Man movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, um, for sure. There's just so much that's cool about it. Uh, like the humor all works. Um, like everything is just a little bit off and a little bit different. 
Uh, but it, it's definitely at the same one of those time, ones. I get why yeah. some people don't like it. Well, I mean, it kind of leads because we didn't really uh, tap into it a little earlier, um, or I'm, I'm just not familiar myself. But uh, like your connection in general when it comes to Marvel and comics, like were you a big comic person going into it and then these kind of just became the manifestation that you finally got to see it on the big screen or did you come more into kind of similar to like I for example I grew up mostly around the cartoons growing up and then uh, obviously you know the Raimi Spider-Man and all the early comic book films the X-Men the singer X-Men trilogy and all that but um, but definitely like really found my it's stride with MCU because of how successful it was, but how was it for you? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I grew up on, uh, I grew up on a lot of comics. Um, I was into like, you know, NFL, NBA, video games, comics, like all the stuff. Um, definitely more Marvel than DC. I never really got into anything other than Batman for a while. X-Men was always my thing. The cartoon, the comics. Um, I'm pretty sure I read the, infinity gauntlet book and had it in like 94 or whatever you know i think it came out 92 but yeah i I definitely had it um as a kid uh and i tried to like i tried to do the like oh they're graphic novels thing once i became a (laughs) grown nice i don't know if you know like i I tried all that and then it's like man i have a kid who am i trying to impress sure Mm -hmm. i still read comics as a grown-up so what you know and then and then the mcu comes out um there were maybe a couple other, oh, this was like the Nolan movies started coming out right around the same time as the MCU, right? Yeah. yeah. And even for as good as the Nolan movies are, those are really still more Nolan movies first that happen to star a Batman character. You know, like, uh, especially, you know, you take Heath Ledger's take on the Joker and he basically just reinvents the character and that's something that kind of carries through later on uh, with later iterations. But you know, you're so used to more of a Mark Hamill-esque type uh, Joker before that. Um, Until but, Heath Ledger made him twisted. Right, right. But then, like, like, when it comes to MCU, MCU really does, like, embrace the comics themselves uh, and, uh, like, stays pretty true to it. Like, obviously, it becomes more timely and modern for this era. But I think when you watch it, it's outside of things like, I mean, we were just talking about Iron Man 3. Um, they stay as true as they can um, in a way that still applies to modern audiences, which I, I think is a real feat in itself that it never really kind of betrays its uh, roots. Yeah. Yeah. They stay true in a lot of, a lot of cool ways. Like in game, there are so many tiny moments in that, you know, like little shots that are callbacks to the original comic, like cap standing mm-hmm. by himself. And like, he doesn't say the line, but if you've read the book, you know, like the line is in your head, right? As long as one man stands, you know. Um, and like my daughter, we watched Endgame and like she's another like big reason I'm, I'm still into all this stuff so much is like, mm-hmm. she loves this stuff. You know, we watch all this stuff together, but like we watched Endgame and then like we go home and she's like, all right, give me the book, you know. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and she's reading this like demented like 25 year old comic where like you know these towering gods are trying to kill thanos and like it's like so much more insane than the movie and all that um great parenting by me but yeah uh (laughs) yeah like they're like i don't know it it just at some point it's just it just stays with you and it's just going to be a part of you forever i guess that's cool and I, i think it is refreshing to hear you kind of speak on the iron man 30 thing because um it is one of those things that the Mandarin choice, uh, a lot of people felt betrayed because 
if you're a big Iron Man fan and the Mandarin is the main character, like you're essentially undoing the whole lore of the comic by having that reveal. Now, granted, if they continued on, obviously they're not with Robert Downey Jr. gone uh, from it, but I'm guessing like they've still kind of left it open in a way where that may still not have been the true Mandarin. And I know if AC was on here, he would definitely go to every amount of spoilers or, uh, or news out there that has indicated as such, but no, it is cool. Like I think, <laughs> um, yeah, like for me, I, I've and definitely, like, and like what a head fake would that be? If you, if you set up like, Oh, here's fake Mandarin again. And then this time it's the real, you know, like I mean, what a ridiculous yeah, thing. Like that would be, yeah. uh, that would be like the Spider, the second Spider-Man movie, right? Uh, mm-hmm. the Jake Gyllenhaal, where it's like, you know, it's it's this whole like levels of reality thing. Like you could twist Iron Man, <laughs> and there's a post-credit and, scene that like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the Mandarin is here for real now, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I th- I'm really glad that we got to hear another Iron Man three defense, especially when AC is not on, just because even though I would love to hear you guys talk about it. A, a nice consolation is ha- imagining AC uh, just seething to this, just yeah, <laughs> livid, just like yeah. like holding Josiah just like a little tighter with rage mm-hmm. <laughs> in the moment as he's yeah. listening through. Uh, that makes me very happy. Um, yeah. But yeah, I great stuff. And um, honestly, and also the thing about the comic books and the graphic novels, um, we had uh, a couple weeks, like a month ago, we had Howard Bryant on where he was talking about his comic book collection and like the way that he talked about that, that that was like when, when I heard him talk, talk about it like that, it's like, okay, if, if he's not embarrassed to say that he owns comic books with the amount in like the breadth that he has, it's like, I don't think anyone should be. Um, <laughs> I think we're far past that point of having yeah. like any embarrassment. It's like, I think once the internet existed, there would like, you just realized that whatever you thought that you're into that like was not um, in the norm. Like you just had to find your norm. You had to find your group. And whether it is with uh, common people on the internet, like for us, it's with our podcast and like the community we got to build out of it. And then sometimes it's just, you know, it's your kid, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's you getting to kind of relive it and share something that you loved growing up with him. I don't know. It's a great thing. I'm all for it. I I think a lot about um, the, there's a line in Parks and Rec when uh, Ben references Star Wars and um uh like they start going like oh nerd, nerd nerd alert and he's just like just as other like it's the most popular movie franchise of all time like <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> it's like um, once infinity war like you know broke all his box office records I mean, and in game excuse me it's like there's only so much you could say about being nerdy like <laughs> yeah it, it is wild like i'm guessing i'm older than both of you guys so like when i was growing up when i was in high school like sitting with the star wars kids that was like the lowest rung on the ladder you know like you were sentenced to to sit with the star wars kids and like oh oh god i gotta break out of here next semester you know (laughs) um and now these are all the money makers yeah like now it's like every single kid is into all of the stuff that like we had to be secretly into (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah um but like uh, yeah. yeah i think i think you're right the internet was a big factor there yeah and i'm i'm much younger not much younger so no sorry i'm younger than jerome <laughs> yes. jerome is deceptively deceptively just, old yeah yes he looks great right. for his age <laughs> um but yeah i definitely like even i can tell that like yeah my experience was uh because i was um i was you know still in high school when the mc was taken off and uh it definitely was like not at all a weird thing to be like i'm gonna go see the superhero movie um, right. Yeah, I think yeah, oh, the MCO pushes yeah. it forward too, just because you know 
uh, either it's the movie stars that kind of helped elevate it when it came to like the Robert Downey Juniors, or the ones that kind of came or came out of it and became movie stars. Yeah. Like, I mean, these Chris are your biggest films, about. exactly, right? Yeah. Um, I, I did actually. I mean, since this is a Marvel podcast, we should bring in some more Marvel questions while we can. Uh, Jason, you're so you're big X Men person, and it looks like we're due at some point for another iteration of the X-Men this time in MCU. Now uh, we've been talking kind of together in a group and I know we're, I think because there've been so many iterations, uh, I think general consensus, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong. Like we're not like in the craziest rush to see them back. No, not at all. Right. And, but like for you, Jason, like being a big fan and that's kind of been your thing. Like, are you eager to see it come see them to get integrated in? And like, do you also kind of see how that could be possible just because they have such a long lasting history and also just iconic actors. Like you have, how do you do Wolverine without Hugh Jackman anymore or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, I think I, I definitely agree that like, let's have some patience here. Um, <laughs> you know, cause you have a lot of folks on deck that you've set up for like this whole next wave you know and like that's cool that's awesome um i think yeah working them in should be slow and methodical and it should start maybe like five years from now maybe you Mm -hmm. start it you know like let's let's really put some distance between this and the old x-men movies i i like days of future past a lot i like old man logan a lot and I have no particular feelings about any of the rest of them. I'll um, take first um, class guy. Just first. I, I'm a fan of first class. I was I was anyway, a fan of Matthew right, Vaughn and all that uh, for yeah. sure. But yes, I agree. Generally speaking, especially the original ones, like X2. I like I oh, that's that is a fault. Like yeah, X2 is a good one, and then you rewatch X2, and it's like oh, this is real. <laughs> like if this is yeah, some yeah, of the most I think point, social commentary I've ever seen in my life. Right. I, I think at this point you could say X2 is the good one out of all of them, but out of like, the first three, yeah. Out of the first three, but not necessarily in by our yeah. um, standards now. But anyway, you were saying, Jason. No, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's all right. And like, yeah, I'm totally fine waiting. And then like, you know, as far as like the next Wolverine, like I don't even know if you start with Wolverine. Yeah, like, that's what I was going to say. That's biggest, a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. Like those are the biggest shoes to fill, you know. Mm-hmm. I also like, and like it, it ended up working out in a really nice way. Like the, 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 um, the thing with Spider-Man where like you can't have Spider-Man for a while. That works out really nicely because you want Spider-Man to be like way younger than the rest of the mm-hmm. Yep. That's team, a good point you know? too. It would have been. It would have been really awkward if Spider-Man had been here the whole time, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, like, now you're going to have a weird thing where, like, you know, Wolverine is younger than, um, uh, well, Iron Man's dead, but, you know, Wolverine's yeah. going to be younger than, right. like, Captain Marvel. That's kind of weird, yeah. right? But, like... I, yeah. I think that you should... I think that they should start off by focusing... Obviously, you have to start with Professor X, but, like, find some of the X-Men that were bigger in the comics than in the actual movies. Like... I think that particularly like Cyclops is such they got to get figure. Cyclops right. I think and that's the, the thing that like they, they need to fix. I, don't, I really don't blame them for messing up with James Marsden because he's so handsome. You would think that he'd be able to carry a movie. I <laughs> Hollywood has made the mistake for 20 years straight. thinking, Oh, this guy's so handsome. He definitely can carry a movie. Um, and they've never been right. Um, and that, but I think that like, I think the casting is just the biggest thing. Cause I think so much of what doesn't work, particularly about uh, apocalypse and dark Phoenix is I think that Ty Sheridan is just not, a uh, movie star <laughs> and <laughs> Sophie Turner is just not a compelling actress. And so I think that they, if they could just like spend, if they spend the next five years 
just cast going doing casting for every single actor and actress in Hollywood for Cyclops and Jean Grey, I think that that would be a good use of their time. Um, and even just characters like Storm, for oh, example, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, you you could. I mean, you could start with Storm. You could start with Storm. You, you know, she could she could get introduced in a Black Panther movie, right? Because yeah, yes, for oh, sure, right. Tala and Storm have lots of stories together in the comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we, and we've covered those on our side series. Marvel did what with Stephanie Williams and Anthony Canton III? You can listen to on this feed. Nice, <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> like this, a pro po- uh, podcast move right there. <laughs> Very nicely done. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I think to your point, Jason, though, but like very almost it's almost like you can treat the x-men like the infinity stones in that you can kind of just have them kind of appear in the most contextual spots because they do really exist across um marvel universe although we do group them together as one group but you don't necessarily have to kind of Mm-hmm. Come in with a bang with the, everyone all together yeah. and i mean they even did it with black panther right because when it came to ultron there was a mention of wakanda but mm-hmm. you didn't really address it until at least civil war was it mm-hmm. yeah basically yeah. when um everything comes to fruition so uh yeah i think i i think yeah you definitely take your time with it um the last x-men question i guess i'll have is uh yeah Jake gave his take on it. Who would you want to start with, Jason? I just had the idea that if not Storm, um, maybe start with Gambit because mm-hmm. you're going to get that, a that, fun that movie. would do fan like all fans like justice for how many years of please add Gambit. <laughs> yeah, and and you, you can cast. We we might not be able to get him as an Avenger, but you you can cast to play his mentor. That's right, Ed Orgeron as himself. <laughs> See, there we go. There you go. <laughs> Gambit's dad yep i mean who says no <laughs> um bring that yeah, along yeah. with your devil pitch and you're basically set with feige I'm yeah, so hollywood de- hollywood yeah. is easy it turns out yeah <laughs> we figured and, out the formula and on that note i want to thank jason kirk so much for coming on to uh this podcast this is great Talk thanks it was jason. a lot of fun um jason plug all your things you got a lot going on uh, i know i mentioned some of them up top but there's i know at least of one that i forgot so do it yourself <laughs> Yeah, uh, things have gotten fragmented. Uh, Mooncrew.substack.com is the new thing we announced today. Um, Spencer Hall, Alex Kirshner, Richard Johnson, and I. It is a newsletter for, for you know free. Uh, we're shooting for multiple times a week that will often revolve around college football, but we want the freedom to do whatever. Vacation Bible School podcast is a podcast I do with my wife. We are six or seven episodes in. We are halfway through Exodus. We are. <laughs> plowing through the entire Bible, uh, comparing the stories we learned as kids to the actual like bizarre mythology and all the stuff, pop culture behind it. Um, and the Shutdown Fullcast is our extremely weird college football uh, podcast that it's, is I, basically not about college football. I would love for nothing more in the world than for someone to describe this podcast as the Shutdown Fullcast or Marvel podcast. No one has <laughs> and no one will, but it would make me so happy. Um, but I so mean, just a side thing, the Shutdown Podcast, to, to put it in perspective, it's a college football podcast that the fact that there's not a college football season this year, I'm more excited for the podcast because of that. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, yeah, what you have been wishing for, I think uh, you, Loki, have been doing it with the MCU, uh, like with MCU University in a great way. I think yeah. if anything, like you and I are most responsible for constantly derailing the podcast. Oh my God. No, especially for any kind of AC's topic. too sweet to ever say anything. But well, and you guys are kind of in the same situation. Exactly. In Entirely. Yeah. 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 And also, right? wait, like, that, that black, reminds me of like, talking about derailing. It's been delayed months oh. and months and months. 
<laughs> right. Talking about derailing, I need your opinion on the question I always ask guests to derail it, and it makes AC so uncomfortable because he's a foolish <laughs> man. Vision, does he have a penis? And if so, why? Uh, I mean, uh, uh, Scar- uh, Scarlet Witch seems to think he does, right? She seems convinced. See, whatever is happening yeah. there, it yeah. seems to be. Uh, it, it seems to be. In, in fairness, done. like yeah. um, I think you have to rephrase that question because, like, does he and can he like would be different things? Like, I don't well, know. Can that he, he like does. make one? Yeah, I know he I can manifest he can. one. I don't think he can, though. I don't think he can. I feel like he, he, can, can. he can manifest the cape, but we don't ever see him manifest anything else. So okay, if I he can manifest I, the I cape. Would, I would look at it like this, right? He's he's ultimately designed by Tony Stark, right? No, he's designed by Ultron. Ultron. Okay, right, 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 right. So therefore, he's he's the grandson of of Tony. Exactly. Stark, yeah, yeah. Right. Yes. So so like, Ultron has Tony's brain, right? Mm-hmm. If Ultron is making something, yeah, and Ultron has Tony's brain, mm-hmm. that thing is getting a dick, right? Oh. If you are ultimately descending from Tony Stark, you, that's a very good you, point. That's the best point I've heard thus is, far. Yeah. No. No. Your um, brain. And we've is talked about a this dick. a lot. Um. I really appreciate that. <laughs> well, I, I was going to yeah. say, um, like a deleted scene that we can do, that could have been in uh, Infinity War, which would, I mean, really connect us all together at this point, is uh, prior to when we actually enter in on uh, Scarlet Witch and Vision in the film, uh, it, it could be completely in the dark, so we could keep it PG. But she's just like, "Oh wow!" And then uh, Vision <laughs> would, just like his grandfather, say, "It's nanotech." So I think I think what you do is you have you have Drax ask about it, right? He does that mm. in Guardians too. Yes. Yep. So right. I think I think Drax is our detective on this case. Right. That's I mean, he point. will say so still that he could discover it in the room. Yes. He yes. Could. Yeah. He'll just. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's just in see, there. See, my explanation always was that like he doesn't, and the reason why Scarlet Witch likes him so much is because that he's since he's such a good altruistic guy that has made him become the most generous lover alive. But I, I like your point. Um, but that's great information. And one last thing I want to mention, because you talk about how the thing's called Moon Crew um, for college football, I just want to, the, the reason it's called the Moon Crew, if anyone's listening, is because, um, as I once put it, and it's really a sin to quote yourself, but I remember when, the, when they shut down Fullcast first, it, it had like a long hiatus where it seemed like it was ending. I said uh, on Twitter that if you were described to someone, you'd say like, yeah, it's a podcast, but they have a lot of theories about the moon. And the other person says, you mean theories about the moon landing? And then you say, No. Just, just theories about the moon, <laughs> about what the moon is, what goes on on the moon. Because you guys are not skeptical about the moon. Well, you might be, but that's not what it's about. It's about what is on and what is the moon. Um, there's something up that's, there. That's I'm great. telling you. I'm telling I, I you. Think, People say there's no moon. I, I'm telling you, there's a moon yeah, up there. I think last week it was. It was it could be a giant snake egg. I think was um, a theory posited. So yeah, I think uh, if we ever uh, do an episode, just an offshoot episode on Umbrella Academy. We should just bring back Jason so we could talk about specifically the moon elements of Umbrella Academy. I mean, if I'm being honest, and I don't want to speak out of turn, but I think in terms of the members of the full cast, who's has the most thoughts about the moon? I don't know if Jason's number one. <laughs> <laughs> there's only one way to find that out. <laughs> like I think like, there's been. I mean, I honestly I don't know who it would be, but they're all pretty obsessed with the moon. But anyway, um, uh, the long story short, moon's haunted. Um, you can follow the show at MC University Pod on Twitter. Um, AC's not here, but as always, you can follow him at AC Spotlight95 um, on Twitter. Listen to him and Stephanie Williams on this feed for Marvel Did What. Jerome, where can people follow you? Uh, you can find me at Black Dragon Roll. Uh, I just be doing things. Mm-hmm. He'd be making good edits. Um, <laughs> did you, that thing you sent us, the Nick Nurse, was that you? Did you make that? Yeah, no, I just haven't yeah. said it anywhere. Yeah. I, I, I just... He made Nick Nurse as Thanos. Um, because that's what he does. Vote uh, Nick Nurse, coach of the year. 
In the same way that <laughs> Lorne Michaels once had them do a poll on live TV to see if they should kick Andy Kaufman out of Saturday Night Live, ban him forever from Saturday Night Live. Jerome has asked multiple times whether or not he should be banned from using Adobe Suite. Everyone uh, keeps at, at, like tagging Adobe and saying I should lose my Creative Cloud subscription. <laughs> I am very offended. <laughs> anyway, you can follow me at the Jake Christie. Um, I do another podcast, which I'm actually recording right after this, uh, about where I'm rewatching the USA original series Monk called No Funk and Strictly Monkin. If you're into that sort of thing, I doubt it, but uh, if you are. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, just keep listening to the Shout podcast. out Andre. Yeah, shouts to Andre Barrera, my co-host. Um, but if just keep listening to this podcast and keep um, keep engaging. And we love, you know, the community we've built has been really awesome. And we'll keep coming with you with quarantine content. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.